Letters twelve to fourteen of the Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter twelve. To Miss Grenville. Louisa, my dearest girl, who do you think I have met with? no other than lady melford i saw her this day in the drawing-room i instantly recognized her ladyship and catching her eye made my obeisance to her she returned my salute in a manner which seemed to say i don't know you but i wish to recollect you as often as i looked up i found i engaged her attention when their majesties were withdrawn i was sitting in one of the windows with lady anne parker and some other folks about me i then saw lady melford moving towards me i rose and pressed her to take my place you are very obliging said she i will if you please accept part of it as i wish informed who it is that is so polite as to pay such civility to an old woman lady anne finding we were entering on conversation wished me a good day and went off i am perfectly well acquainted with your features said her ladyship but i cannot call to my memory what is your name have you then quite forgot julia grenville to whom you was so kind when she was on a visit with your grandfather at l julia grenville ay so it is but my dear how came i to meet you in the drawing-room at st james whom i thought still an inmate of the mountains has your father rescinded his resolution of spending his life there and where is your sister my father i replied is still in his favourite retreat my sister resides with him i have been in town some time and am at present an inhabitant of it to whose protection could your father confide you my dear to the best protector in the world madam i answered smiling to an husband a husband she repeated quite astonished what child are you married and who my dear is this husband that your father could part with you to that gentleman in the blue and silver velvet across the room sir william stanley does your ladyship know him by name and character only she answered you are very young my dear to be thus initiated in the world has sir william any relations female ones i mean who are fit companions for you this is a dangerous place for young inexperienced girls to be left to their own guidance i mentioned the ladies to whom i had been introduced i don't know them said lady melford no doubt they are women of character as they are the friends of your husband i am however glad to see you and hope you are happily married my meeting you here is owing to having attended a lady who was introduced i came to town from d for that purpose i asked her ladyship if she would permit me to wait on her while she remained in town she obligingly said she took it very kind in a young person showing so much attention to her and should always be glad of my company the counsel of lady melford may be of service to me i am extremely happy to have seen her i remember with pleasure the month i passed at l i reproach myself for not writing to jenny melford i doubt she thinks me ungrateful or that the busy scenes in which i am immersed have obliterated all former fond remembrances 
i will soon convince her that the gay insignificant crowd cannot wear away the impression which her kindness stamped on my heart in early childhood your letter is just brought to my hands yes my dear louisa i have not a doubt but that while i deserve it i shall be the immediate care of heaven join your prayers to mine and they will when offered with heartfelt sincerity be heard i have nothing to apprehend from lady besford such kind of women can never seduce me she shews herself too openly and the discovery of her character gives me no other concern than as it too evidently manifests in my eyes the extreme carelessness of sir william i own there i am in some degree piqued but if he is indifferent about my morals and well-doing in life it will more absolutely become my business to take care of myself an arduous task for a young girl surrounded with so many incitements to quit the straight paths and so many examples of those that do as to the economy of my family i fear it is but badly managed however i do not know how to interfere as we have a housekeeper who is empowered to give all orders etc if wynne is desirous of returning i shall not exert my voice to oppose her inclinations though i own i shall be very sorry to lose the only domestic in my family in whom i can place the least confidence or who is attached to me from any other motive than interest i will never notwithstanding my repugnance to her leaving me offer any objections which may influence her conduct but i do not think with you her morals will be in any danger as she in general keeps either in my apartments or in the housekeeper's i do not know how griffith manages i should be concerned that he should be ill-used by the rest of the servants his dialect and to them singular manners may excite their boisterous mirth and i know though he is a worthy creature yet he has all the irascibility of his countrymen and therefore they may take a pleasure in thwarting and teasing the poor cambro briton but of this i am not likely to be informed as being so wholly out of my sphere i could hardly help smiling at that part of your letter wherein you say you think the husband the proper person to attend his wife to public places how different are your ideas from those of the people of this town or at least to their practice a woman who would not blush at being convicted in a little affair of gallantry would be ready to sink with confusion should she receive these tendres from a husband in public which when offered by any other man is accepted with pleasure and complacency sir william never goes with me to any of these fashionable movements it is true we often meet but very seldom join as we are in general in separate parties whom god hath joined let no man put asunder is a part of the ceremony but here it is the business of every one to endeavour to put a man and wife asunder fashion not making it decent to appear together these etiquettes though so absolutely necessary in polite life are by no means reconcilable to reason or to my wishes but my voice would be too weak to be heard against the general cry or being heard i should be thought too insignificant to be attended to conscience makes cowards of us all some poet says and your julia says fashion makes fools of us all but she only whispers this to the dear bosom of her friend oh my louisa that you were with me it is with this wish i end all my letters mentally so if i do not openly thus express myself absence seems to increase my affection one reason is because i cannot find any one to supply me the loss i sustain in you out of the hundreds i visit not one with whom i can form a friendly attachment 
my attachment to sir william which was strong enough to tear me from your arms is not sufficient to suppress the gushing tear or hush the rising sigh when i sit and reflect on what i once possessed and what i so much want at this moment adieu my dear louisa continue your tender attention to the best of fathers and love me always julia stanley letter thirteen to the same i spent a whole morning with lady melford more to my satisfaction than any one i have passed since i left you but this street cannot be repeated her ladyship leaves town this day she was so good as to say she was sorry her stay was so short and wished to have had more time with me i can truly join with her her conversation was friendly and parental she cautioned me against falling into the levities of the sex which unhappily she observed were now become so prevalent and further told me how cautious i ought to be of my female acquaintance since the reputation of a young woman rises and falls in proportion to the merit of her associates i judged she had lady besford in her mind i answered i thought myself unhappy in not having you with me and likewise possessing so little penetration that i could not discover who were or who were not proper companions that relying on the experience of sir william i had left the choice of them to him trusting he would not introduce those whose characters and morals were reprehensible but whether it proceeded from my ignorance or from the mode of the times i could not admire the sentiments of either of the ladies with whom i was more intimately connected but wished to have the opinion of one whose judgment was more matured than mine lady melford replied the circle of her acquaintance was rather confined and that her short residences at a time in town left her an incompetent judge but my dear she added the virtuous principles instilled into you by your excellent father joined to the innate goodness of your heart must guide you through the warfare of life never for one moment listen to the seductive voice of folly whether its advocate be man or woman if a man is profuse in flattery believe him an insidious betrayer who only watches a favourable moment to ruin your peace of mind for ever suffer no one to lessen your husband in your esteem no one will attempt it but from sinister views disappoint all such either by grave remonstrances or lively sallies perhaps some will officiously bring you informations of the supposed infidelity of your husband in hopes they may induce you to take a fashionable revenge labour to convince such how you detest all informers speak of your confidence in him and that nothing shall persuade you but that he acts as he ought but since the heart of man naturally loves variety and from the depravity of the age indulgences which i call criminal are allowed to them sir william may not pay that strict obedience to his part of the marriage contract as he ought remember my dear his conduct can never exculpate any breach in yours gentleness and complacency on your part are the only weapons you should prove to any little irregularity on his by such behaviour i doubt not you will be happy as you will deserve to be so ah oh, my dear louisa what a loss shall i have in this venerable monitress i will treasure up her excellent advice and hope to reap the benefit of it if i dislike lady besford i think i have more reason to be displeased with lady anne parker she has more artifice and is consequently a more dangerous companion she has more than once given hints of the freedoms which sir william allows in himself the other night at the opera she pointed out one of the dancers and assured me 
sir william was much envied for having subdued the virtue of that girl that she continued was her vis-a-vis -vis that you admired this morning she lives in great taste i suppose her allowance is superb it is quite the ton to keep opera girls though perhaps the men who support them never pay them a visit i therefore concluded this affair was one of that sort such creatures can never deprive me of my husband's heart and i should be very weak to be uneasy about such connections last night however a circumstance happened which i own touched my heart more sensibly lady anne insisted on my accompanying her to the opera sir william dined out and as our party was sudden knew not of my intention of being there towards the end of the opera i observed my husband in one of the upper boxes with a very elegant-looking woman dressed in the genteelest taste to whom he appeared very assiduous there is sir william said i yes said lady anne but i dare say he did not expect to see you here possibly not i answered a little female curiosity urged me to ask if she knew who that lady was she smiled and answered she believed she did a very favourite air being then singing i dropped the conversation though i could not help now and then stealing a look at my husband i was convinced he must see and know me as my situation in the house was very conspicuous but i thought he seemed industriously to avoid meeting my eyes the opera being ended we adjourned to the coffee-room and having missed sir william a little time before naturally expected to see him there as it is customary for all the company to assemble there previous to their going to their carriages a great number of people soon joined us baron tonhausen had just handed me a glass of orgeat and was chatting in an agreeable manner when lord bidolph came up lady stanley said he with an air of surprise i thought i saw you this moment in sir william's chariot i little expected the happiness of meeting you here you saw sir william my lord i believe said lady anne but as to the lady you are mistaken though i should have supposed you might have recognized your old friend lucy gardiner they were together in one of the boxes sly wretch he thought we did not see him oh you ladies have such penetrating eyes replied his lordship that we poor men and especially the married ones ought to be careful how we conduct ourselves but my dear lady stanley how have you been entertained was not rozzini exquisite can you ask how her ladyship has been amused when you have just informed her her caro sposo was seen with a favourite sultana pshaw said his lordship there is nothing in that to la mode de francois the conduct of a husband cannot discompose a lady of sense what says the lovely lady stanley i answer i replied very seriously sir william has an undoubted right to act as he pleases i never have or ever intend to prescribe rules to him sufficient i think to conduct self bravo cried lord bidolph spoke like a heroine and i hope my dear lady stanley will act as she pleases too i do when i can i answered then turning to lady anne not to break in on your amusement i continued will you give me leave to wait on you to brook street you know you have promised to sup with me most cheerfully said she but will you not ask the beau to attend us 
lord biddolph said he was most unfortunately engaged to lady d s root the baron refused as if he wished to be entreated lady anne would take no denial and when i assured him his company would give me pleasure he consented i was handed to the coach by his lordship who took that opportunity of condemning sir william's want of taste and lavishing the utmost encomiums on your julia with whom they passed as nothing if sir william is unfaithful lord biddulph is not the man to reconcile me to the sex i feel his motives in two glaring colours no the soft timidity of tonhausen which while it indicates the profoundest respect still betrays the utmost tenderness he it is alone who could restore the character of mankind and raise it again in my estimation but what have i said dear louisa i blush at having discovered to you that i am past all doubt the object of the baron's tender sentiments ah oh, can i mistake those glances which modest reserve and deference urge him to correct yet fear me not i am married my vows are registered in the book of heaven and as by their irreversible decree i am bound to honour and obey my husband so will i strive to love him and him alone though i have long since ceased to be the object of his of what consequence however is that i am indissolubly united to him he was the man of my choice to say he was the first man i almost ever saw and to plead my youth and inexperience oh what does that avail nor does his neglect justify the least on my part for man the lawless libertine may rove but this is a strange digression the baron accompanied us to supper during our repast lady anne made a thousand sallies to divert us my mind however seemed that night infected by the demon of despair i could not be cheerful and yet i am sure i was not jealous of this lucy gardener melancholy was contagious tonhausen caught it i observed him sometimes heave a suppressed sigh lady anne was determined to dissipate the gloom which enveloped us and began drawing with her satirical pen the characters of her acquaintance baron said she did you not observe lord p with his round unthinking face how assiduous he was to miss w complimenting her on the brilliancy of her complexion though he knows she wore more rouge than almost any woman of quality extolling her forest of hair when most likely he saw it this morning brought in a bandbox and celebrating the pearly whiteness of her teeth when he was present at their transplanting but he is not a slave to propriety or even common sense no dear creature he has a soul above it but did you not take notice of lady l how she ogled captain f when her booby lord turned his head aside what a ridiculous fop is that the most glaring proofs will not convince him of his wife's infidelity captain f said he to me yesterday at court captain f i assure you lady anne is a great favourite with me it is a family partiality said i lady l seems to have no aversion to him ah there you mistake fair lady i want my lady to have the same affection for him i have he has done all he can to please her and yet she does not seem satisfied with him unconscionable cried i why then she is never to be satisfied why so i say but it proceeds from the violence of her attachment to me oh lady anne she is the most virtuous and discreetest lady 
i should be the happiest man in the world if she would but shew a little more consideration to my friend i think it a pity he does not know his happiness as i have not the least doubt of f and her ladyship having a pretty good understanding together thus was the thoughtless creature running on unheeded by either of us when her harangue was interrupted by an alarming accident happening to me i had sat some time leaning my head on my hand though god knows paying very little attention to lady anne's sketches when some of the superfluous ornaments of my head-dress coming rather too near the candle caught fire and the whole farrago of ribbons lace and gewgaws were instantly in flames i shrieked out in the utmost terror and should have been a very great sufferer perhaps been burnt to death had not the baron had the presence of mind to roll my head flames and all up in my shawl which fortunately hung on the back of my chair and by such precaution preserved the capital how ridiculous are the fashions which render us liable to such accidents my fright however proved more than the damage sustained when the flames were extinguished i thought lady anne would have expired with mirth owing to the disastrous figure i made with my singed feathers etc the whimsical distress of the heroine of the election ball presented itself to her imagination and the pale face of the affrighted baron during the conflagration heightened the picture even such a man she cried so dead in look so woe-begone excuse me dear tonhausen the danger is over now i must indulge my risible faculties i will most readily join with your ladyship answered the baron as my joy is in proportion to what were my apprehensions but i must condemn a fashion which is so injurious to the safety of the ladies the accident however disconcerted me not a little and made me quite unfit for company they saw the chagrin painted on my features and soon took leave of me i retired to my dressing-room and sent for wind to inspect the almost ruinated fabric but such is the construction nowadays that a head might burn for an hour without damaging the genuine part of it a lucky circumstance i sustained but little damage in short nothing which m Coros could not remedy in a few hours my company staying late and this event besides retarded my retiring to rest till near three in the morning i had not left my dressing-room when sir william entered good god not gone to bed yet julia i hope you did not sit up for me you know that is a piece of ceremony i would choose to dispense with as it always carries a tacit reproach under an appearance of tender solicitude i fancied i saw in his countenance a consciousness that he deserved reproach and a determination to begin first to find fault i was vexed and answered you might have waited for the reproach at least before you prejudged my conduct nor can you have any apprehensions that i should make such having never taken that liberty neither do you do me justice in supposing me capable of the meanness you insinuate on finding me up at this late hour that circumstance is owing to an accident by which i might have been a great sufferer and which though you so unkindly accuse me of being improperly prying and curious i will if you permit me relate to you in order to justify myself he certainly expected i should ask some questions which would be disagreeable to him and therefore finding me totally silent on that head his features became more relaxed he inquired with some tenderness what alarming accident i hinted at i informed him of every circumstance my account put him into good humour and we laughed over the droll scene very heartily 
observing however i was quite en déshabillé my dear girl cried he throwing his arm round me i doubt you will catch cold notwithstanding you so lately represented a burning mountain come continued he will you go to bed while he spoke he pressed me to his bosom and expressed in his voice and manner more warmth of affection than he had discovered since i forsook the mountains he kissed me several times with rapture and his eyes dwelt on me with an ardour i have long been unused to behold the adventure at the opera returned to my imagination these caresses thought i have been bestowed on one whose prostituted charms are more admired than mine i sighed why do you sigh julia asked my husband i know not i answered i ought not to sigh in the very moment i am receiving proofs of your affection but i have not lately received such proofs and therefore perhaps i sighed you are a foolish girl julia yet a good one too cried he kissing me again foolish to fancy i do not love you and a good girl not to ask impertinent questions that is your tongue is silent but you have wicked eyes julia that seek to look into my inmost thoughts then i will shut them said i affecting to laugh but added in a more serious tone i will see no further than you would wish me to please you i will be blind insensible and blind but as you are not deaf i will tell you what you well know that i was at the opera and with a lady too do not however be jealous my dear the woman i was with was perfectly indifferent to me i met her by accident but i had a mind to see what effect such a piece of flirtation would have on you i am not displeased with your behaviour nor would i have you so with mine i will in all my best obey you said i then go to bed said he to bed my love and i will follow thee you will not scruple to pronounce this a reasonable long letter my dear louisa for a modern fine lady ah shield me from that character would to heaven sir william was no more of the modern fine gentleman in his heart i could be happy with him yes louisa was i indeed the object of his affections not merely so of his passions which i fear i am i could indeed be happy with him my person still invites his caresses but for the softer sentiments of the soul that ineffable tenderness which depends not on the tincture of the skin of that alas he has no idea a voluptuary in love he professes not that delicacy which refines all its joys his is all passion sentiment is left out of the catalogue adieu julia stanley letter fourteen to the same i hope my dearest louisa will not be too much alarmed at a whole fortnight's silence ah louisa the event which occasioned it may be productive of very fatal consequences to me yet i will not despair no i will trust in a good god and the virtuous education i have had they will arm me to subdue inclinations irreversible fate has rendered improper but to the point two or three nights after i wrote my last i went to the play lady anne colonel montague and a miss finch were the party unhappily the afterpiece represented was one obtruded on the public by an author obnoxious to some of them and there were two parties formed one to condemn the other to support wholly unacquainted with a thing of this kind i soon began to be alarmed at the clamour which rang from every part of the house 
the glass chandeliers first fell a victim to a hot-headed wretch in the pit and part of the shattered fragments was thrown into my lap my fears increased to the highest degree no one seemed to interest themselves about me colonel montague being an admirer of miss finch his attention was paid to her the ladies were ordered out of the house i was ready enough to obey the summons and was rushing out when my passage was stopped by a concourse of people in the lobby the women screaming men swearing altogether i thought i should die with terror oh let me come out let me come out i cried with uplifted hands no one regarded me and i might have stood screaming in concert with the rest till this time had not the baron most seasonably come to my assistance he broke through the crowd with incredible force and flew to me dearest lady stanley cried he recover your spirits you are in no danger i will guard you to your carriage others were equally anxious about their company and every one striving to get out first increased the difficulty many ladies fainted in the passages which being closed became almost suffocating every moment our difficulties and my fears increased i became almost insensible the baron most kindly supported me with one arm and with the other strove to make way the men even pushed with rudeness by me tonhausen expostulated and raved by turns at length he drew his sword which terrified me to such a degree that i was sinking to the earth and really gave myself up totally to despair the efforts he made at last gained us a passage to the great door and without waiting to ask any questions he put me into a coach that happened to be near as to my carriage it was not to be found or probably some others had used the same freedom with that we had now with one unknown to us as soon as we were seated tonhausen expressed his joy in the strongest terms that we had so happily escaped any danger i was so weak that he thought it necessary to support me in his arms and though i had no cause to complain of any freedom in his manner yet the warmth of his expression joined to my foregoing fright had such an effect on me that though i did not wholly lose my senses i thought i was dying i never fainted in my life before to my ignorance then must be imputed my fears and foolish behaviour in consequence oh carry me somewhere cried i gasping do not let me die here for god's sake do not let me die in the coach my angel said the baron do not give way to such imaginary terrors i will let down the glasses you will be better presently but finding my head which i could no longer support drop on his shoulder and a cold damp bedew my face he gave a loose to his tenderness which viewed itself in his attention to my welfare he pressed me almost frantic to his bosom called on me in the most endearing terms he thought me insensible he knew not i could hear the effusions of his heart oh louisa you could have no idea how they sunk in mine among the rest these broken sentences were distinct oh my god what will become of me dearest most loved of women how is my heart distracted and shall i lose thee thus oh how shall i support thy loss too late found ever beloved of my soul thy henry will die with thee picture to yourself my louisa what were my sensations at this time i have no words to express them or if i could they would be unfit for me to express 
the sensations themselves ought not to have found a passage in my bosom i will drive them away louisa i will not give them harbour i no longer knew what was become of me i became dead to all appearance the baron in a state of distraction called to the coachman to stop anywhere where i could receive assistance fortunately we were near a chemist's tonhausen carried me in his arms to a back room and by the application of drops etc i was restored to life i found the baron kneeling at my feet and supporting me it was a long time before he could make me sensible where i was my situation in a strange place and the singularity of our appearance affected me extremely i burst into tears and entreated the baron to get me a chair to convey me home a chair lady stanley will not you then permit me to attend you home would you place yourself under the protection of two strangers rather than allow me that honour ah excuse me baron i answered i hardly know what i said do as you please only let me go home and yet louisa i felt a dread on going into the same carriage with him i thought myself extremely absurd and foolish yet i could not get the better of my apprehensions how vain they were never could any man behave with more delicate attention or more void of that kind of behaviour which might have justified my fears his despair had prompted the discovery of his sentiments he thought me incapable of hearing the secret of his soul and it was absurd to a degree for me by an unnecessary circumspection to let him see i had unhappily been a participator of his secret there was however an awkward consciousness in my conduct towards him i could not divest myself of i wished to be at home i even expressed my impatience to be alone he sighed but made no remonstrances against my childish behaviour though his pensive manner made it obvious he saw and felt it thank god at last we got home it would be rude said he after your ladyship has so frequently expressed your wish to be alone to obtrude my company a moment longer than absolutely necessary but if you will allow me to remain in your drawing-room till i hear you are a little recovered i shall esteem it a favour i have not a doubt of being much better i returned when i have had a little rest i am extremely indebted to you for the care you have taken i must repay it by desiring you to have some consideration for yourself rest will be salutary for both and i hope to return you a message in the morning that i am not at all the worse for this disagreeable adventure adieu baron take my advice he bowed and cast on me such a look he seemed to correct himself oh that look what was not expressed in it away away all such remembrances the consequences however were not to end here i soon found other circumstances which i had not thought on in short my dear louisa i must now discover to you a secret which i had determined to keep some time longer at least not even sir william knew of it i intended to have surprised you all but this vile playhouse affair put an end to my hopes and very near to my life for two days my situation was very critical as soon as the danger was over i recovered apace the baron was at my door several times in the day to inquire after me and wynne said who once saw him that he betrayed more anxiety than any one beside yesterday was the first of my seeing any company the baron's name was the first announced 
the sound threw me into a perturbation i laboured to conceal sir william presented him to me i received his compliment with an awkward confusion my embarrassment was imputed by my husband to the simple bashfulness of a country rustic a bashfulness he generally renders more insupportable by the ridiculous light he chooses to make me appear in rather than encouraging me in a better opinion of myself which sometimes he does me the honour of saying i ought to entertain the baron had taken my hand in the most respectful manner i suffered him to lift it to his lips is it thus said sir william you thank your deliverer had i been in your place julia i should have received my champion with open arms at least have allowed him a salute but the baron is a modest young man come i will set you the example saying which he caught me in his arms and kissed me i was extremely chagrined and felt my cheeks glow not only with shame but with anger you are too violent sir william said i very gravely you have excessively disconcerted me i will allow said he i might have been too eager now you shall experience the difference between the ecstatic ardour of an adoring husband and the cool complacency of a friend nay nay continued he seeing a dissenting look you must reward the baron or i shall think you either very prudish or angry with me was there ever such inconsiderate behaviour tonhausen seemed fearful of offending yet not willing to lose so fair an opportunity oh louisa as sir william said i did experience a difference but sir william is no adoring husband the baron's lips trembled as they touched mine and i felt an emotion to which i was hitherto a stranger i was doomed however to receive still more shocks on the baron's saying he was happy to see me so well recovered after my fright and hoped i had found no disagreeable consequence no disagreeable consequence repeated sir william with the most unfeeling air is the loss of a son and heir then nothing it may be repaired he continued laughing to be sure but i am extremely disappointed are you not enraged with your brother-in-law louisa how indelicate i really could no longer support these mortifications though i knew i should mortally offend him i could not help leaving the room in tears nor would i return to it till summoned by the arrival of other company i did not recover my spirits the whole evening good god how different do men appear sometimes from themselves i am often induced to ask myself whether i really gave my hand to the man i now see in my husband ah how is he changed i reflect for hours together on the unaccountableness of his conduct how he is carried away by the giddy multitude he is swayed by every passion and the last is the ruling one is everything by starts and nothing long a time may come when he may see his folly i hope before it be too late to repair it why should such a man marry or why did fate lead him to our innocent retreat oh why did i foolishly mistake a rambling disposition and a transient liking for a permanent attachment but why do i run on thus dear louisa you will think me far gone in a frenzy but believe me i will ever deserve your tender affection julia stanley End of letters twelve through fourteen